Well, hey, so I know this is the week of Lent, and as I was pondering what God would have me uh, share tonight, I thought, you know, we could really, I could really preach that and lead up to that. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Um, we will have our Easter service on Saturday next week, so hey, make sure you come out, invite people, invite friends. We're going to have an awesome time just worshiping and celebrating our, our risen Savior. Um, but I really felt led to kind of go a different direction. And as I said, this, this series that Pastor Lonnie just preached on simplicity, it, it's caused me to start to look at everything through the lens of simple. And how many of you, how many of you feel like sometimes our lives are just a little complicated? Anybody feel that way? You know, tax time comes around. Oh, you got to do that. You know, we got we to register our cars. We got to do, I mean, there's so many things that we have to do. It's, it's helped me, this series kind of helped me step back and begin to lick, look through the lens of simplicity. So as I was doing that and just kind of going through the Bible, I, I, two, two of our most common biblical stories leapt out at me and just kind of, I was looking at them through the lens of simplicity. And one, even Pastor Lonnie brought up while he was preaching the message. And that, those two are the, the story of the Good Samaritan and the story of the prodigal. And both messages just really kind of hit home in a little bit different way as I looked at them through the lens of simplicity. So today, all I want to do is just share with you kind of the, the musings of, of, you know, kind of what, what God spoke to me in those times, those quiet moments of just seeking His face. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, we'll, well, I've met with my kids and we'll do, you know, we'll do Bible study at home and everything. And uh, I've realized something that sometimes the musings I have are a little out there or strange. Anybody ever feel that way? It's like you're like, you're hanging with Jesus, going through the Word, and you're like, I bet you a lot of people don't really think like this, do they? You know, you kind of think, you step back. But that's the awesomeness of the uniqueness of Christ and of God and being the body of Christ. And so I loved the series that Pastor Lonnie put out and, and just, just shared with us. And I just want to kind of share a little bit different angle. And just kind of what, what hit me on this. So I want to start out, though, in, in a scripture that kind of Colin hit, but from a different, he did it from a different place. But I want to start out in Luke chapter 10. Um, and we're going we're gonna to start with uh, uh, verse 25. All right. And so at the beginning of Luke, um, you know, Jesus is teaching, he's hanging out, he's, he's presenting, you know, his heart to, to the people and those that came to hear him. And it says, and a lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I want you to think about how many of the best moments in life and the greatest things that happen in life start with a question. Those of you who are married, at some point, men, you had to get up enough courage to go before the girl and say, hey, will you marry me? I don't know how you guys did that. Or, you know, for me, it took me a little while. And, you know, I was dating the pastor's daughter, and Melissa. And so it took me a little while to get the courage to go to her father to ask permission, which was a five and a half hour meeting at a Denny's, just so you know what I went through. So I was a little kinder. I was a little kinder to my son-in-law when he came. He, I just did a, a year, an hour and a half. What did, you, what did you have? How long did you go? Uh, 
Three weeks, good. All right, you're, we're not worthy, dude. You, you, win the, you win the contest. So, but think about how many things start like that. I, I was thinking about my transition, you know, from high school into college and stuff, when my dad began to ask me those questions. Son, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to get a job? Where are you going to go to school? What are you going to study? He began to ask me questions. I was like, whoa, man, what? But they were questions that began to stir me to begin to take action and begin to walk out of a high school mentality into a, an adult. Okay, wow, I might have to get a job and like do something with my life mentality. So he asked me that. Think, think about like, like the beginning of time. Think about like the first men that were just, and people that were running around. At, at some point, somebody had to look around and say, they were, somebody, at some point they had to be watching the animals run by, and somebody had to say, hey man, I wonder what that would taste like. Because <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't know that everything tastes like chicken, right? I mean, so at some point, somebody had to ask, what would that taste like if we roasted that and put that on a fire? Think about all the vegetables and weird things that we eat that grow in the ground, like, you know, potatoes and stuff. I mean, who was the first one that asked, what, what would that really be like? Let's, let's bite into that and see what that's like. And think about the things that they probably tried to eat that probably weren't so good. You know, all the different meats and stuff. And, I, hey, I'm, I am a country boy raised on a farm. I have eaten squirrel. I've eaten rabbit, but I draw the line at possum and skunk. You know, I'm just saying. So, but somebody at some point probably said, hey, let's give that a try. I'm saying a lot of great things start with a question. And this guy just simply said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And I love the response. And Jesus said to him, what is written to in the law? How does it read to you? Don't you love how Jesus answers a question with a question? How many of you that frustrates you or irritates you? When you're asking somebody a question and they all they do is answer back with another question. But I have found that the greatest teachers and those, the wisest people, often answer a question with a question because Jesus knew that this man already knew the answer. And he, Jesus could have said, hey, I can tell you everything, but he already knew that he knew the answer, and he wanted him to say it himself because once he said it himself, then he took responsibility for what he was saying. When somebody else tells it to us, then it's still not our thing. So Jesus simply, simply was, was answering back with him. Um, he was saying this. It was almost like Jesus was saying, you know, I know what you're asking, but I also know where your heart needs to go. How many of you ever asked God something or Jesus something and you, and you feel like he answers your question with another question? Anybody ever go to God and you're like digging into stuff and you're like, why is this happening? And he's, and he's like, well, why is this? Why? I mean, all of a sudden, sometimes you see God and you get into those places where you're trying to figure something out and you walk away with, anybody ever walk away with more questions than you had? Absolutely. And Jesus is not only okay with that, he intends to put us down that path. He wants us to go down that path. So then the man answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And like I said, Colin started that whole simplicity series with this. And I think if we were to break down Christianity to the 
simplest form, if we don't always go back to this, love God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself. If we don't go there, because in another portion of Scripture, he says all the law and prophets are built, are hinge upon these two commandments. Because I believe if we're going to really break down our lives to simplicity, then we've got to keep asking the questions that lead us down to the basis of what we call our faith and who we're following. If we're truly following Jesus and we're following Christ, then what does that look like at its simplest basis form? Because let's... I don't want to stir up any hornet's nest right now, but we're in a political season where a lot of people will call out and, and use things and use faith as a way to advance their agenda. But there's something always going on in my heart. And again, I'm not, I'm not talking about anything today. Don't, don't go where, where you, your minds are going right now. Just come with me for a second and, and come to the place where what if we were truly following Jesus at the simplest basis form and we realized, as the early disciples did, who were under extreme persecution, that it literally does not matter who is ruling over us in our countries, our continents, our states. If our hearts are truly surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, we have signed our passport and entered into a different kingdom. Can I get an amen tonight? So we have entered into another place that does not know borders. And this is the place where Jesus was leading this young man. He answers this, and I, and I, and I love this because um, he answers this, and like I said, I, I believe that Jesus just wanted to hear the man say it. He wanted to hear him say it and hear it come out of his mouth because be, until it's our conviction and all we're doing is regurgitating stuff, then it's not who we are. And I think Jesus was trying to get him, to lead him to the place where it would become his conviction. Did Jesus know he was being tested? Absolutely. Did Jesus know they were trying to trip him up? Sure, he's the son of God. He's all-knowing. Did he know all those things? And yet, I believe in that moment, because Jesus walked in the power of simplicity, he was still motivated by something greater than somebody else's false motives. And his motives was still to reach the heart of this man that was trying to trip him up. Think about that for a moment. That's powerful. Um, and Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Jesus knew the man's motivation. Like I said, I believe that. I believe he knew his heart. But at the end of the day, Jesus, again, was doing what great teachers do. He was making the man take responsibility for his answer and his action. This is what I love about Jesus. Jesus makes the complicated simple. He really does. Then why does it still seem so complicated? And this is what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about why does the simple seem, still seem so complicated. I said, if we, do, we have to start at the base of, of this scripture that says, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and body, to love your neighbor as yourself. If that is not our basis and our foundation, we're at the wrong starting place. How many of you have been a part of building a house, building a building? Anybody ever get involved in some building? Yeah, yeah. Can you swing a hammer? I love it, man. Yeah, I love that. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've gotten very involved in building some things, and I am not a natural builder. I am a, throw me a piece of wood with strings on it. I can play that, but put me a hammer and a power drill. I'm the one that, when my wife sees me going to the garage and getting the power tools, she gets nervous and scared, and she's like, hey, what? she asks the kids, what is your dad doing? Is What's he planning on doing with that drill? I mean, I, it's not natural for me. But I also was around it enough to realize the foundation that has to be laid before we can truly build a house. And so it, our, our foundation has to be on the scripture. And like I said, you know, Colin did such an eloquent job laying that out at the beginning of the series, that it's, it's all about loving God, loving him first, and, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. But why does it get, like I said, so complicated? I want to I say I believe it is two different reasons. Motivation and the fact that I don't know if we are truly understanding what Jesus is trying to communicate to us. How many of you in your jobs or whatever you're doing, how many of you ever, the, the problems and the issues you, play, you face in marriage, in life, in family, in work, how many of it comes down to a breakdown of communication or miscommunication? Anyone? I don't know how many times I, I have people in my office and it's because a supervisor has misunderstood what an, what an associate has done or an associate's misunderstood what, a, what somebody else has done or somebody totally misunderstood what I asked them to do. I believe a breakdown of communication is at the heart of so much of what we're faced. Check this out. Miscommunication, one of the, like I said, one of the biggest obstacles I think we face in, in anything that we do or say. Oops, let's go back here. So, like I said, I really believe that the simplistic life with Christ and with serving God, like I said, we, if we understand the base of what we're supposed to do, love Him with everything we got, love, love our neighbor as ourselves. We under, if we get those two down, okay, then we get into the complexity of what does that look like in everyday life. And like I said, I really think it comes down to motivation. Do we understand the motivation of what we're supposed to be doing and living? And communication. So I want to look at, I want to look at this uh, scripture, Luke 10, 29 through 37. And I'm going to read this tonight. Um, and this is actually from the Message Bible. So this is, this is actually at, right, after, right after this teacher just asked Jesus these questions. He just asked him and said, hey, you know, what, what, what is most important? And Jesus said, hey, you already know it. He already regurgitated it and said, hey, it's to, it's, it's to, it's, it's to love your neighbor as yourself, to love God, to love your neighbor. So he's talking to a teacher that knows the law and he knows what he's supposed to be doing. I would say most of us that go to church, most of us that follow Christ, most of us that are trying to live for God, I believe we know what we're supposed to be doing. I think most of us know that scripture. Okay, love God, love those people as myself. So we got that part down. We can, we can, I think we can all embrace that as the basis. But the living it out part <laughs> is where it gets messy. The living it out part is where it sounds so simple and seems so simple, but then it gets complicated and complex. And I think we see, we see kind of a picture of that in the, in the story of the Good Samaritan. So let me, let me just read this to you. And like I said, I'm going to read it from the message version. This is, looking for a loophole, he asked, the man asked now and said, just how would you define neighbor? 
Remember, part of the scripture is, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus answered by telling a story. He said, there, once, there was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way, he was attacked by robbers. He took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the road. But when he saw him, angled across, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite, a religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. Now, in the description of the story, both of these are people that know the Scripture and the law. They know that their two top priorities are to love God and to love their neighbor as, their, as themselves. They know that they understand that. Somewhere, though, there's a miscommunication. That is why Jesus came here to the earth, as, as, as Josh was talking about, you know, going into a season of Lent here, that came and gave his life for us to readjust what I believe was the original intent of God from the beginning, from the garden. He was sent, He came to readjust a misnomer because this was a priest and a Levite. These were people that knew the Scripture. They knew and they could quote and they could say and they understood and they could probably break it down and discuss it with you for days about what it meant to love God. And what they were on and the mission they were on and doing probably had something to do and they had a conviction about it that they needed to be somewhere and be someplace in order to serve and to please God. It had something to do with the law. It had something to do with them fulfilling their, their mission. But somewhere in the complexity of their mission, they forgot the mission. Somewhere in the complexity of their pursuit, they, real, they forgot that loving God literally meant to stop and lay down their lives for somebody else. It literally meant to stop and to be inconvenienced on the road and the path they were going on. How many of you in your jobs, you have metrics that you're graded on? You have things and quotas you have to meet I mean, it's, it's, I mean, you're stepping out of one arena into another. At least you have a little more control this time. <laughs> so, it, it's amazing how much of our jobs have, you know, a list of this is what has to be done. These are the metrics. These are the deadlines. These are the things that have to be accomplished. And you know what? My job is the same way. But I have found something incredible because I often, I, I, I often do not want to be interrupted. I don't want to be stopped because I'm on a mission to accomplish my metrics so that I can show my boss and his boss how great of an employee I am. And so you should keep me around. Not only that, you should pay me more money. I mean, that is what I'm working towards and doing. And yet in the middle of this pursuit in time, two weeks ago I had a manager call and said, can I come in and talk to you? Come in and close the door. It was a, it was two hour meeting and it had nothing, absolutely nothing to do with work. It had everything to do with this manager's personal life and what they were going through. And they were, I mean, their life was exploding and falling apart. But in my normal pursuit, I don't have time for that. It's so easy to look at this story and say, well, 
I won't be the Levite or the, you know, the, the Levite or the priest. That's not me because my heart is to love God and love others. But remember, our pursuit of what we're doing be, becomes a mission. But if our mission is not under submission to the commander, we miss the mission every day because we're out to check off a list and to complete, to complete what we perceive to be the mission. I'm sure this Levite, I'm sure this priest had a good reason for passing this guy by. I'm sure they had something important to do. I'm sure they had somebody to meet. Maybe they had students to go meet with and to break down the, the Holy Scripture and to talk to them about it. But again, they missed the whole reason and purpose for it in the middle of it. So, continuing on. A Samaritan traveling the road came, came on him, and when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. And in the morning, he took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. Now this is somebody that's not supposed to be on the mission. This is somebody that the Levite and the priest would look at and say, they're on the other side. They're, they're not our side. That's the other side. That's the enemy. And yet the person that they looked down upon and the one that they would not even talk to or come into contact with was the very one that met the mission of the heart of God simply because they saw the need and in the midst of it, their heart was stirred to the depths of humanity and they, and they stepped in and took care of this person that had been kicked around and bandaged and kicked, kicked to the side of the road. So, in our judgment, so in our judgment, how often do we label other people and say, because they're this, because they think different than we do, because they're different politically than we are, because they're from the other side of the fence, because they come from a different mentality, we label them and we push them aside. And we do not realize and we take away the power of the one that went to the cross and died and was dead and buried and resurrected, that died for all mankind and stirs the hearts of men and women to rise up and do extraordinary things in the face of danger or whatever. And sometimes we ride off the very people that are going to be the ones that bring other people to Him because they simply follow the mission directives. Love God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. How often do we simply miss it? Simply miss it. And like I said, it all comes down to me too, is it's either we don't understand the communication from the Father, or we ourselves have the wrong motivation. You know, I've found in my life, and again, it's, you know, it's interesting as you get older, you know, you start to realize things you worried about so much before, you're just kind of like, eh, whatever. You know, you just don't even, they just don't seem that important anymore. And it's, and it's funny how, you know, like, I mean, I have a granddaughter now. I mean, I'm like, I don't just have kids. I have a grandchild. And it's, and it's funny how much I love each one of my kids individually. But I have this other place for my granddaughter that's like, you know, I, I am relishing 
the opportunity to spoil her so bad. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm relishing those times where she gets to come over and spend the night and, you know, and I just get her all souped up with sugar packets and Mountain Dew and send her back to her mom. And, and it's, I mean, I, I look forward to these moments and times. It's going to be, it's going to be great. And, and, it, and it's changing. I think we have to allow God, if we're going to truly complete this mission and live simplistically, because again, every, everything that Pastor Lonnie talked about, it wasn't just, it's not selling the farm and going living in a one-bedroom cabin you know, up in the woods. It's, it's about having a mentality and a heart of simplicity that goes back to the mission of, that God gave us. And that's to love Him and love others. And not let that just be a mantra. Not let that just be you know, our lines. Not let that be the right answer when the teacher asks. But to literally live it in such a way and we living in such a way that we don't care if we ever are known or seen because the Samaritan was not known. I mean, I know this is a parable that Jesus was using, but in the story, he was not known. The Levite and the priest probably went and they probably had their disciples around them and had their students and had people following after them. But the Samaritan was not looking for title or position. The Samaritan was simply moved by the need of humanity and stepped in to take care of it and said, listen... If it costs any more, I'll pay the bill. See, that's powerful. That's, that's truly laying down our life for the mission directive. So it ends with this. So Jesus said, what do you think? Which one of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly? The, re- the religion scholar replied, re- re- responded, and Jesus said, yeah, go, go and do the same. So... The, religion, the religious scholar, the lawyer, the, the man that asked this question of Jesus, he asked, and he already knows the answer, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, love your neighbor as yourself. He already knows that. And then Jesus, but then he says, so who is your neighbor? And again, remember, he's trying to trip Jesus up. So Jesus answers, first time he asks him, he answers back, first time the man asks him a question, he answers back with a question. And then he gets the man to give the answer but then he, the guy comes back at him again and says, okay, you know, just to clarify here, who's my neighbor? So he tells this story to let him know and understand, it is not your title or position that gives you any influence or power in my kingdom that I'm establishing. It is not if you're on the right side of the fence politically or you're born on the right side of the tracks. It's, it has nothing to do with where you've come from or where you've been. It has everything to do with the surrender of your heart. And will you truly hear me? Will you truly understand my heart? And will you be motivated with a thing that motivates me? I love the scripture that says, Jesus looked out upon the crowds of people and saw them like sheep without a shepherd. And he was moved with compassion. He wasn't moved with religion. He wasn't moved with a, 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 a five-week course to, you know, to be a better disciple. You never see Jesus doing that. Jesus blew those things up. These were the things that the Levites of His time did. And Jesus came in and blew it up and said, look, let me take it way down to the simplicity intended from the beginning. Not just as words, but in actions and deeds. So let's talk about motivation here for a moment. And let me just throw out something here. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, and this will be an interactive part. Give me an answer. So if I tonight, if I handed you a stack 
of money, tax-free. And I gave you $86,400 and I handed it to you. What would you do with it? $86,400, what would you do with that? Tax-free. Don't think about it. Just give me some answers. What would you do with that money? What? Student loans, gone. Gone. Yes. What? Pay off the bills. What else? What would you do with that? Start a business. Awesome. That's some good capital. Pay down your mortgage. Absolutely. What else? Debt ties business. Boom, boom, boom. What else would you do? Travel. Oh, yes, I love you. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> Let's go. Man, you can stay in youth hostels in Europe. $86,000 would go a long way. <laughs> what else? Anyone else? What you got? What would you do? Buy an expensive car. You can buy a lot of car for $86,000. I'm just telling you that much. You, know, you can actually buy a car and the insurance for it and put a little away to keep it, to keep it up for a while, right? Should he get a Beamer or not? Just tell me the truth. Yeah. The BMW mechanic says, no. So $86,400, why that amount? Because while we all have different amounts of money, we all have the exact amount of time. 86,400 86, is the amount of seconds there are in every single day. And here's the cool part. You get it just as much as I do. We all get the same amount. So what I really think happened here with the Samaritan in this story is that he stepped out of the place of just spending his time and began to invest his time. So we have to move from spending to investing. Because I'm always thinking about spending my time and what I want to do. And believe me, after I've worked all week, I want to spend all, I'll just say it, I want to spend my time having a beer, watching some sports, hanging with my wife and kids. I, I want to chill and hang out. I mean, it's, it's March Madness right now. It's a, it's, it's, it is a sacrifice for some people to be here right now, right? Yeah, so I'm sure you're checking scores. So, I mean, it's, there are things that, yes, I want to go do. But I realize in all the things I have done in the last three months, probably that two hours I spent with that manager that had nothing to do with my job description, I don't get any metrics on that. I will never get a pat on the back because nobody will ever know about it at my work. But I'm going to tell you what, that investment in time was the best investment of my time because I wasn't just spending it, I was investing in somebody else. So I believe the Samaritan had stepped over into the investing of time. And again, the cool part about it is we all get the same amount of time. Now do one other thing for me. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. Go ahead. Close your eyes and just bow your heads. I'm not going to, we're, not, we're not going to have an altar call. So just, when I say go, I'm going to time us for 30 seconds. And so what I want you to do is I want you to raise your head when 30, I want you to open your eyes and raise your head when 30 seconds are over. So right now, ready, set, go. When you think 30 seconds is over, raise your head.
I think Kevin went to sleep. No, I'm, kidding. No, I'm kidding. Okay. So some of you went for almost a minute. Some of you went for 20 seconds. Some people hit right around 30. The whole intention is this. We all have a different outlook on what time is. We operate all at a different pace. Here's the thing, though. The right motivation is not dependent on time. It's dependent upon opportunity. The Samaritan was not locked down by his schedule. He was locked down by the mission that cried out to him by the side of the road. Jesus was not locked down to time. Do you know how often his disciples, you read through the Gospels, how often his disciples tried to get him locked into time? They tried to lock him into a schedule. He was not, the mission that was in his heart did not know time. So we, like I said, we talked about these different things here throughout this story. It's all about motivation. It's all about understanding and having the right communication. Um, so, like I said, here's the cool part about that story is that the, is that the uh, Samaritan did not even, the Samaritan did not even understand or know that, you know, this was the mission. So here's the cool thing is that if we get our hearts in line with God and Christ and we understand, hey, it's loving Him, loving others, giving everything to Him, and then loving our neighbor as ourselves, we can allow ourselves to be directed because we have the right motivation. Then we begin to understand our communication with Him. So let's switch gears real quick. Let's talk about the prodigal son. So that, that whole thing was on the Good Samaritan. The next, the next story is on the prodigal son. And I just want to cap, just kind of capsulize it. I don't want to read it. We all know the story, though. You have a father. You have a son that wants his inheritance. He says, Dad, give it to me now. And then he takes it, and he goes off, and he, you know, he squanders his inheritance. We know that there's an older brother involved that says, hey, when he comes back, it's like, why are you giving him that? And why are you doing all that? And in this story, you know, you always hear it presented different ways. You know, if there's, there's three stories going on. There's the father's story, there's the older brother, and then there's the prodigal. And you've probably heard this story from all three of those different angles. You know, the father who is so loving and caring that even though you squandered everything I gave you, I'm going to bring you back into the fold because and, and, you're still my son and I love you. Then there's the, the older brother. We always talk about how he's judgmental and how he, you know, he doesn't really care about the father's heart even and, and, about the, uh, you know, and even about, the, um, about his brother. And then we always talk about the, the prodigal son himself that went off and he made all these bad decisions and he did all these bad things, but then he came back. And so we can look at all of those. But I want to look at this story through the eyes of a young filmmaker tonight. There's a young filmmaker that put together a seven-minute video sketch that I want to show you tonight that brings this story out. When I saw this, it gives it a whole different light because he modernized it. He took the older brother out of the story but this, this, this video really captures to me the heart of the Father. Because at the end of the day, the two things, like I said, that were missing from the Levite and the priest was they knew religion, but they did not know the heart of the Father. 
Because when we know the heart of the Father, motivation is not an issue. And communication becomes clear. The story of the prodigal son captures these three truths, and I just want to close with this. Because when we understand the love of the Father, then like I said, the other pieces are so easy. The mission is easy to hit. Because we're motivated properly, and we don't have any problems communicating with the Father, because it's, it's our greatest desire. To love Him is not hard when we understand His love for us. To love our neighbor without judgment, no matter who they are or what they've done, is not difficult when we embrace His heart. In, under, in embracing these three truths, God loves us, He is for us, and He has never, ever been against us. This is what powers the Scripture that says, love God with everything within you, and love your neighbor as yourself. When we understand the heart of the Father, and most of the time we have to go through some pretty crazy stuff in our lives to get to the point where we reach up to Him and understand the depth of His love when we're rid of selfish pursuits and gains, when it becomes not our agenda, but His agenda through us, then we begin to understand the heart of the Father. Then we love at another level. We accept at a level that we could never do on our own strength and power. And embracing this, every, you know, embracing this truth, everything and anything else is a false matrix of our own design intended to make us comfortable with denying the truth of God's love. Because to genuinely acknowledge the truth of God's love requires a response. And it also means we have to acknowledge that our very existence, while appearing complex in so many ways, is actually the simple act of a loving God. The Father loves us, He is for us, and He will never be against us. Like I said, to embrace anything else is to embrace a false matrix of our own design just to make us feel comfortable in the life we're living. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just pray right now, Lord Jesus, that the simplicity of what You have put together would become the heartbeat of our hearts. That, Lord, we would truly understand that You love us, You're for us, You've never been against us, and that all creation was done because You're a loving God and You want a relationship with us. And Lord, out of that, Lord, let our heartbeat be to know You more and to know You better and to love You with everything within us so that then we can be like the Good Samaritan, that we could be like the, the father in the story of the prodigal son, and Lord, we could have hearts as, as big as yours and full of compassion for, for a world, Lord Jesus, that doesn't know compassion very well. And Lord, we just pray that our hearts beat on your time schedule and that we're not just driven to check off boxes and we're not just driven to meet metrics. That, but Lord, we're driven by a secret mission that nobody really knows about except for you and those whose hearts have turned towards you. Lord, let us not be caught up in the, in the, the, false, the, the false pursuit of religion. Let us not be caught up in the false pursuit of judgment because of our own perceived righteousness. But Lord, let us fall on the, on the cross of what you have already done, the giving of your life and the rebirth of who you are. And let us rejoice in that and, and, knowing, and in knowing you, be able to be people 
that truly share your love and your mission and your passion for them. And God, let it be real and let it be genuine. God, continue to move on our hearts and we just give you all glory and honor and praise for it right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.